0: Right club. Be the right club today. Yes. Well, I mean that's better
1: than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.
0: Expect anything different, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. Pardsy, pards, p partner, partner. Partner, partner, TC calling in from the other side of town. Hello, TC.
1: Oh, that was a lot last night. A lot of a lot of partsies.
0: A lot of parts. A lot of. It always sound It always feels way cooler to say that than it sounds uh, on TV. As if I would know. I've never been uh, discovered or covered on TV saying partner on repeat. We're not going to bitch about this thing the whole time because I think overall it was uh, a lot of positive to talk about. Before we do that. Speaking of positives, there are uh, some limited-time deals on some of the best-selling drivers and fairway woods this year at Callaway. You can get $50 off a driver or a fairway wood. The drivers are now, the Rogue ST drivers are now $499.99. The fairway woods are now $299.99 as well. The added perk with the three wood is, of course, you can get the No Laying Up branded Callaway Rogue ST three wood head cover, the nostalgic kind, styled in the, in the way of the old Big Bertha's. Uh, we've been had these available all year, and they're available for free when you buy a Rogue ST3 wood. All you got to do is pick. You can customize your Rogue ST3 wood, go to the order summary page and enter code NLU, and they add it to your cart for free. Uh, there's even deals on Callaway Customs drivers. If you like the all-black look or if you want some kind of personalization, callawaygolf.com slash go-rogue if you're needing to buy any kind of equipment for any loved ones or for yourself. If you want to treat yourself this holiday uh, SCN, go to callawaygolf.com slash Go Rogue and get some discounts on the Rogue ST. All right, this is a little match recap. I don't think we're going to talk much QBE. Uh, I, I Listen, it's, it's hard to get hyped for that. I don't know how you feel about that. Sally, I was
1: trying to make it till like, minute 57 before we even acknowledged it.
0: Well, I mean, Hoagie and, and Sahith won. So, like, a couple people were like, does this count as a win for Sahith? No. Let's just definitively say no. Like, not even close. Team event, silly season, limited field. Fun, hit and giggle. That's fine. But can we just all agree that no tournament wins in December actually count towards anything? The Shark Shootout, baby. Yeah, apparently they dropped that name, which I'm I'm really curious as to how why that happened. I
1: think but they dropped it like a long time ago,
0: and it's been a little so while. The Franklin Templeton Shootout
1: for a while, and then, but I guess I I guess the Shark was was uh, recruiting people during the event last year, which is fucking sick. <laughs> So anyway,
0: Uh, we're going to talk about the match. This was a Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern primetime viewing Pelican Golf Club uh, TNT. We had uh, B.A. We had Chuck. We had Trevor Emmelman. We had, of course, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy against Jordan Spieth. And Justin Thomas. Let's go with let's go with the positives. What what's your reaction to this format setup and everything that was working for you?
1: I liked the lights. It was cool. It felt like an event. You had some crowds out there, which I think is a little bit different than some of the ones they've done in the past. Donald Ross, Bo Welling, kind of collaboration there. <laughs> used to be a, a public Muni Donald Ross, and now it's an extremely private Bo Welling, Donald Ross. Just just makes you feel really, really good inside. But no, I think it was it was great. I think the you know, JT and, and Spieth thrived, right? Like, that's their that's their element, I think, uh, you know, both together with each other and both just, you know, like Jordan likes to talk, JT's kind of a showman, and and I mean that as a big compliment. It just worked for the most part.
0: It really is kind of dawned on me today is like we are, have a chance to see, and we don't see that much team golf, of course, right? We only see maybe Spieth and JT actually pair up in something that matters once a year. So it's kind of hard to, like, recognize this while you're in it. But we could be looking at one of the great golf duos of all time in terms of they're eight and two in team events so far to start their career, which is incredible. And it is it was just truly on display last night of how good. And look, we're not gonna, we're not going to take the golf too seriously, right? <laughs> of course, like I got I don't mean that in this way, but you could see it on display with mic'd up players how. What chemistry means? Like what a real actual chemistry is. Like it almost borderline looked like Tiger and Roy didn't want to be there just because they couldn't match. Like the the kind of way that uh, Spieth and and JT fed off each other, both their games just seem to complement each other. They seem to ham and egg it really well. They they kind of are good at trash talking together. Uh, Speeth is really good at playing off JT. JT is good at like carrying the show. That was just that was on full display. And uh, it it I guess I was expecting more personality from Rory, which we could talk about too. But uh, just on on that side of the ball, it was just really it was just a delight. It was very fun.
1: Yeah, it's funny to see some of the the non US American golf commentators kinda you know act like like oh like why is Charles involved, right? And I think Chuck's good. Like Chuck's
0: Oh Chuck's great Chuck's fantastic
1: that, that, with it, right?
0: That's the whole vibe of this thing. That exactly. has to be, right? I yep. mean I, I love Trevor Emelman. I think Probably if you move that position to somebody that's actually on the ground walking and can ask them like Trevor's was really great at you know asking them questions and, and ta- having them explain their bunker shots and things like that. It just does not need a serious golf commentator. and he's good at play I'm not saying he was overly serious. It's just like if that role moves to someone that's kind of on the ground that can kind of jab with the guys and just get them talking. I think that's really the only structural change I would I would I would make to this.
1: which that's what that's what JT did. For
0: the one that right. was,
1: you know, uh, I can't remember. God, there's been what seven of them now. That was the second one. Okay. That
0: was the one at Medalist. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that was, and he was fantastic in that role. But getting, you know, getting a, a peer of sorts to. To sort of do that uh, or or get the caddies out there, like have them riding around in the cart drinking beers, but not doing anything, because that was something last night too. like these guys are not used to picking up their own flag sticks and picking up their (laughs) own own clubs and everything. It was kind of fun to see them in that in that, you know, kind of out of sorts uh, element there.
0: I thought about that too, and I don't think I'm in on that because of the next compliment I want to pay, which is they have figured out how to get the audio flow going, which has been a struggle for these things. I mean, if you remember the first one, they had two separate booths for some reason for yeah. a, a one-on-one match, and they couldn't figure out how to get talking to the guys while they're playing, and it, it that is working now, and that's really, really, really not easy to do, like mixing all that sub-audio, whatever you want to call it, sub-mixing. It is really hard to do, and they've got that flow down. They had the flow going of like, all right, we're going to talk to JT while he's driving this time, talk to Roy this time. You add in four more guys talking, and it's like, holy shit. I'm guessing they had a production meeting of some kind to say like, hey, when so-and-so is talking about their shot – other team like you might be on the other side of the golf course but you need to shut up because this is a made for TV product and we need to be able to hear them talk right and, and so uh, adding adding any more mics into it i think is not the right answer to this i think it feels like it just feels like they finally got that part of it mastered and that's probably an underrated and unnoticed thing for a lot of viewers at home
1: yeah which i'd be curious to know how much they're hearing from the producer in their ear or the director in their ear because
0: not only are
1: they not talking or they're they're, they're picking up the right audio they're also dumping them during Times when they're they're driving in their carts and the rest of them, you know, or th- like they're not breathing into it right. or grunting into it. It's it, you know. There's, <sighs> there's definitely X <except> over Tiger. <laughs> <Darn it>. <sighs> <sighs> the AT and T five G segment notwithstanding, AT and T had tough. a tough night <laughs> between that and Jordan. Uh, you know, going back on taking the pledge, uh, he was he was text or you know, uh, selfing and driving. driving. Hate that, and also Tiger. Tiger hates using his hands when he drives. Evidently, <laughs> he was just like steering with his arm. Uh, I, I love that. But one thing that I wish that I kind of didn't think about being at night—definitely dewy, and the the greens got like. I think that was probably the coolest part about the golf course was how slippery the greens were, at least when they were starting out, and the dew fell, and then it definitely slowed down the greens, especially on that par three pretty late when they're trying to rip it back off that slope. Um, You know, like, because that's fun. Like when JT hit that just absolute ripper uh, towards the end there. That was sick. Yeah. I love the one club challenge thing. That was like probably the highlight of the night.
0: It was amazing to watch these guys freak out. Maybe we've just done enough of these things, where in in silly videos or whatever they've made, that it's like, hey, just figure it out. And they couldn't couldn't even like dream of of feathering a five wood one ninety seven and uh, and the the strategy that goes into it. Tiger aiming into the other fairway, and hitting that, that awesome. snap hook five iron, maybe unnecessary, but it was also just like a. The way, you know, the modern game is played, how little we've, like, actually seen of what Tiger can do with the golf ball over the years. That was, like, an all-shit moment for me of, like, oh, my God, dude. that He's almost aimed 90 degrees right and hit a snap hook while he's got one leg like that. It was just – that, and that was the shot that made me wonder, like, why don't we have a skills challenge of some kind? Why don't we have something where guys have to hit – who who can hit the biggest hook possible? Who can hit the biggest slice possible? Who could you know backspin a ball the most on one green? All this stuff that not not a closest to pin or a long drive. Like who can do wild true? You know, can you hit shots up through rings like you're playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever it is? Like something like that could be really really entertaining.
1: Solly, I would argue that we already have that. It's called the Slime Cup, my man. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, we see another Slime Cup this year. Don't now, slime it. <laughs> no, I, like, I guess we used to have the ADT skills challenge, which I was going back on a deep dive of that last night. Uh, evidently, Mark McGuire won in 2003, beating a bunch of pros. Uh, and then the the father-son duo of uh, Greg Norman Jr. and Greg Norman Sr. won in 2008. But uh, no, I think, you know, some of it was probably players have a tendency to say no to pretty much everything. Uh, but now it's, you could tie it to the pip,
0: right? You could do something. Say- feel like they are maybe a little more... One, I think it's a hard thing to do because you're not going to do it during Players Week. And that's the only event where all of the PGA Tour players are all playing at, one, in the past. That's how it's been. Now that you have elevated events, though, and now you have these events that like all the top guys are going to be at, I feel like this will be an easier thing that's also like... Hip-wise, yes, this is going to... These guys want to win the social media battle. They want to win... all The ADT skills challenge was happening before videos were even posted to social media, right? So, yeah. this is a whole new era of finding ways to reach people. And, like, people are starting to figure it out. I mean, they may be a little too self-serious in... I'm using air quotes, the conversation, which led into the match, which was just a Dylan to had a great tweet. that was just like golf loves talking about all the great things they're doing before they even let it happen. <laughs> it just, yeah. it was just very much this, uh, you know, Tiger explaining all these new ways that they're going to try to reach fans and all that. It's like, I just, just do it. I just need you to do it. And, uh, but it does seem to, you know, the message is getting delivered in, in that there is some buy-in of changing the entertainment aspects and changing just the look of what golf looks like. Maybe they're giving up on like competitive PGA Tour golf ever actually being presentable. Like, look, we know this is an ad mule and a commercial vehicle and it's never going to be entertaining. Can we at least supplement it with some other stuff? And that gives me hope of some kind of something like that actually coming come to fruition.
1: Which yeah, I mean, it's something too like shit like do it at the hero. <laughs> I mean, the freaking ratings for the hero were down 50 per- 51% Year over year, uh, among the eighteen to forty-nine demo, only ninety thousand of us tuned in in that demo. So,
0: like, How was that even possible? That's like, what, crazy. What, what drove it last year? I mean, it was. I have like, no idea. Tiger no didn't idea. play last year. I mean, he hit some balls on the range, um, and I guess it was kind of like you know, we hadn't really seen him in a really long time, and he had resurfaced to like drive around and go in the booth and yeah. things like that last year. But uh, I, I, I don't I know why. I guess the World Cup. So
1: yeah, I yeah. guess the World Cup's going on, but still, yeah. Anyway, I, you know, I think the, um, yeah, just seeing these guys hit non-traditional golf shots is always so freaking refreshing, right? I think that's why I like watching Spieth. Right? It's like he's always having to hit those. Going back to the like, what didn't work? I think the, like you said, the conversation there at the beginning was very, very. Uh, it just, it just ran on too long. It was very impersonal. It was very, it was just a weird setting. Um, it just didn't really add a whole lot of value. I didn't think there was any sort of, you know, through line to it. And then it seemed like the pregame just kept dragging on and on and on. And they kept doing commercial breaks, which I get it. Like it's a, you know, this thing is an ad mule of sorts. Um, and then, yeah. And then I'd like, like Catherine Tappan, I don't want to shit all over her. Cause I know she's not going to be continuing with golf channel and, and all that, but that seemed like a little bit of a miss as far as having her as the, you know, on course commentator and like, it fell really flat when she mentioned, uh, like, what What's your favorite hole in one? And Tiger's like, Well, the one I had at Phoenix was pretty good. And it was yeah. like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think there was any sort of like institutional golf knowledge there, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. I that's where I go back to just having one of their, you know, peers that they know really well to help needle things probably would have would have really helped. And I thought also just, I man, I I think Rory. What didn't really work well was just Rory seemed kind of out of place in this thing, you know, and I don't know if he's just beat like part of me. I look into his eyes. He looks exhausted, really. I mean, just looked like he was not able to pack the energy for for this on this one night. And I just had me thinking of like, is this Rory's best setting? I guess in my mind, I would have thought he'd been the best. But is he is his best setting kind of like off course? give me some time to think about what i want to say and i'll make a really good point more than you know just having a a great wise crack here and there but at the same time as someone who i can like relate to this very much like with the, when i'm playing golf and the cameras are on I find it extremely challenging to like find the balance of like playing golf and you know being interactive and you know not coming off like a huge douchebag or making some kind of funny comment, but not getting canceled. And this is live, like I could see the discomfort in his face. And I'm like, I, I can relate to that. I know exactly what that feels like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think Rory's by nature seems pretty introspective, if not an introvert, at least introspective, and at least like he likes one-on-one situations, and he likes you know, kind of being within his own ecosystem. And I think when he has to feel like he's performing, that's probably, I'm psychoanalyzing here, but, you know, it just seems uncomfortable. Um, It was also, it was tough to see, like, I don't know, cat A didn't look very good, like from a facial perspective. You know, and it's tough to watch him walk like that, but that's, that's the deal now. And, you know, I think a lot of that's probably due to the plantar fasciitis as well. But super impressive to see him hitting those ball speeds and he, like he's just a freaking athlete. But like I think on the flip side, it's depressing to watch guys talking shit to him a little bit and he's trying to summon something competitively and he can't do it. Like yeah. those last couple holes and it's like fuck, man. Like that's that's no fun for anybody,
0: you know? I will say too to in Roy's defense, it's gotta be like hard to to pair with Tiger and yeah. and kind of bring the energy or bring the leader or like be the outgoing person. And he did have one, at least one good quip of like Spieth was asking him if something was in his way. And, and Jordan's like, or uh, Rory just said, no, nah, Jordan, that's that only bothers you. Like, I'm I'm totally fine with that. Like everything bothers you. That was like, oh, that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, it was kind of how I felt about tiger was kind of, despite the fact that at, you know, he hasn't played a lot of golf. He's been injured and, uh, you know, with the plantar fasciitis and just said he hadn't really hit balls. Despite all that, like, somehow even more speed and was impressed by that yet at the same time really concerned with the health and i think this past year him playing in the masters and playing that great first round put a little bit of a cloud as to how the rest of it all really went he completed yeah. one tournament this year one i mean and that probably set him back a lot and now we're adding more and more injuries into what like this leg and foot that is by my accounts, barely hanging on. And I, I just want to really manage people's expectations. Gabs, four eighty five asked leg issue aside. If tiger keeps ripping it like he did yesterday, can he still compete in majors? Gabs, we cannot put the leg aside. Like that is the, yeah. the question mark and man, it, it really. The limp was really, really bad. And I cannot see this getting better.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, it's like, it seems like, yeah, maybe it like Hoylik, right. Or maybe it, you know, a very flat golf course if all things break right and it's, you know, he gets the good end of the draw and it's firm and fast and, and, you know, he can kind of plot his way around there, right? I think another thing that that actually worked, uh, JT's pre-rehearsed you know, celebrations or, uh, antics. I think normally that does not work. Uh, but in something like this, I'm willing to give it a pass Friday. I got a good, good tweet on that. It was, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm willing to give it a pass for entertainment purposes in this instance. Cause it was, you know, it was good. I also, I did like Charles, like repeatedly calling it Alabama university. <laughs> that was great.
0: Chuck, Chuck and JT do have a good, fun, good hearted rivalry. Again, it's like not They they tested a couple limits were tested on a couple things of uh, there was a really good quip that I don't know if people. uh, really caught on to, which was, uh, it was, uh, jo- speed quoted it from wedding crashers. When, uh, w- when Vince Vaughn's character is getting a hand job underneath the table and he has that line where he's just like, Oh, pe- pe- people, help me, people, people people, people helping me, people. <laughs> and when speed was picking up the <laughs> rope, when JT was putting with the five one underneath it, he looked over at JT and said that I was like, yeah, no one's going to get that one. But that was, that was from a pretty, uh pretty racy movie quote there. But,
1: uh, Chuck also had a really, really good line about, uh, you know, JT was like, yeah, you know, wedding, wedding was great. The night went too quickly. Like <laughs> I want to do it over again. <laughs> I want to do it over again. He's like, well, you know what? Don't write that off just yet. Or, you know, that's certainly not out of the cards or something like that.
0: You're young. And then again, Tiger, I said this on Twitter, people got mad, of course, but Tiger's jokes are really just a guy that has been making lame jokes for thirty years and having everybody laugh. For when when Charles makes a joke about challenging for the course record, Tiger of course hits him with, Yeah, you may me on the front nine. Maybe I'll challenge on the front nine. <laughs> Which somebody replied to that also was like, Tiger has to be the guy that if you if you tap the ball off the first the 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 T and it rolls off of it, that he's the guy that says, That's one.
1: <laughs> that's one. That's one. <laughs> uh, that's one. Um I loved when Rory, uh, I like it was kind of actually concerning when Rory, uh, hit the three wood into uh, the woods and almost took out those people. Uh, like like I felt like the four calls were very, very, very necessary, uh, you know, and there were because you know, it's coming out of the darkness in certain spots. Right. And, um, but yeah, it was like, you know, Rory almost calling a shot. He's like, yo, like those people might be in danger up there. <laughs> like sure enough, they were,
0: that was three iron out of the divot that you're saying, okay, yeah, trying to yeah. hit the, the, the cut up over the trees. And it does kind of like, you can see the ball as it lands and on the, on the ground and you can see the ball take off, but I'm get th- those lights are not meant to project the ball up when it's up in the air. Like those guys were really struggling to see, where balls were landed. One add in for if you have uh, playing under the lights, somebody to kind of go around with a spotlight and shine it on the ball so the shadows aren't overlaying on the ball. I think could be a nice touch because it was a bit awkward to watch. You know, sometimes you couldn't really see the ball and the shadows and things like that. But if you have somebody traveling around with a spotlight that can yeah. light it, light up the golf ball, that might be a, a nice. Especially
1: touch, right? on that par three where their backs were, you know, on like basically directly to the light and. I think three out of the four of them were like, man, this shadow is really, really tough here.
0: One more good quip was when Speeth had the wrong yardage on, or, you know, airmail to green or something like that. Both JT and Rory turning and going, <laughs> Michael,
1: Michael. <laughs> yeah. You, you said, you know, Speeth's doing great without Greller here. And I was like, let's not count our chickens before they're hatched. I didn't
0: say that. I said, Speeth trying shots without uh, Greller here. He's going to go for all these crazy <laughs> shots all over the place. Cause he's got no Greller to talk him off of it. Um, I'm I I am wondering like your to your comment on you know speed like Spieth kind of needling Tiger and the guys like needling Tiger and him not be able to to push back was Spieth pushing it too far in the trash talk afterward because I was kind of like Tiger just kind of sit there smiling and I was like man is 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 Cat really pissed off right now the one that
1: like I I think the one that probably went over the line was one, the one from BA where BA. Kind of shit all over him. I can't remember what he said, but it was like, "Sheesh, man!" Like that was that was tough.
0: That was there was one that was kind of like, "Ah, okay." But that's also like kind of the vibe it needs to be, right? Like, right, he has yeah. got to be able to get you know to to needle him a little bit. But
1: and Tiger also needs to like, yo, like, dude, you can barely walk like right. at this point. Like, it's impressive that you're out there,
0: you know. And he did have a good when they were talking about JT's calves that and, and Tiger was asked about his. Tiger said, "Yeah, I have I have good calf." Uh, that was good that was that was a good good revenge from some early struggling jokes but
1: like so question for you, were we the target market for this match? like it feels like with the you know this thing's kind of gone through multiple iterations now and they've gone they've done you know the four quarterbacks they've done that was seemingly not for us at all. They've done you know the ones that that are very very golfy. um I think this one probably landed you know, more on the golfy side, but a little bit more in the middle. Like, uh, are we the target market for this? Or is this trying to get in the casual golf in?
0: It's a great question. And I think my answer is like, this is probably as good as you can do in the Venn diagram of the overlap. Right. I mean, I think this served the, the hardcore golfer. There was enough like golf talk within it, just super easy stuff. And this is what I, I say this every time we ever have the conversation about mic'd up players, is it's not gonna be rolling on the floor laughing. These guys are not that funny. They're extremely normal people. I thought actually they brought more entertainment, you know, instead of like forced jokes than I would have thought. Yeah. Like it was some natural kind of trash talk. There's always the, oh, you cannot wait to tune into the trash talk tonight. It's gonna the trash talk is gonna be legendary. And it almost never is. But there was just the right amount of needling. But the, the key is like again, this is just me, and I probably overproject this on the audience, but speed and JT talking about the break of a six foot putt is super interesting to me. And all of a sudden, now I'm looking for, is it going to dive left? like Because of the way they talked about it. It's going to go a little left in the beginning and then going to straighten out. And now I'm like, okay, I know what to watch for when I'm watching this putt instead of someone in the booth guessing which way it breaks. That's super interesting to me. We're watching... Rory and like uh Colin Tiger to help read a putt and, and things like that. Um, or just explaining what their putt just did, or JT saying about like uh, when Rory hit that five iron to the back left pin, just like asked he just like sized him up. It was like stock five iron there. And Rory's like, Yeah. I mean, I'm just that's also like what's what's going on when they're playing a major championship. Is if if yeah. JT's playing with Rory, he's thinking like, Okay, that was probably a solid five for Rory. Maybe that means this for me and That is engaging. That's just draws me in yet at the same time, like Chuck in the booth and tiger mic'd up and things is probably more appealing to a a wider audience. So um, I I like the balance of this one. I think it's, you know, they're trying to get, you know, a different entry point into golf. And I think this, this serves that really well.
1: Yeah. And it was interesting too, to hear their immediate reaction to each other's drives as well. Like, Oh, was that one a little bit spinny? uh and yes. you know like very much they're all keyed in on their ball speed yeah. right <laughs> it's like when when JT was going after 180 and he got 179 and lifted that front heel up that was really like that was interesting man It was like all right there's that extra gear or two you know let's see how this works
0: and tiger even asked him before he was gonna hit was going to hit, oh you going to you going to the foot thing uh <laughs> which is just great like i i don't know i i'm i'm impressed with the way this thing has developed over the years i i don't even really feel like there's a ton of room to hate on this one. Didn't feel like a lot of people were hating on it. I think some kids are really still the too-cool-for-school kids that want to just shit on it no matter what. But uh, if it could have gone a different way if they took the golf too seriously, right? And it was the right amount of like, dude, these guys clearly don't want to lose. They don't want to, you know, just because they don't want to hear the other team chirp. And that's kind of the right balance. I still think some stakes for the loser, like if you had to – I don't know if you have to sing the national anthem or something afterwards. Some of the you, you can watch our videos if you want for some dumb stakes you could do if you ha- if you lose. I think that could be really interesting. Maybe I'm just got dude perfect on my mind after spending some time with him there a couple of weeks ago, but that could make that could be a fun conclusion to the night. I keep thinking about like different combos, and I think it's you know
1: like obviously the schedule's severely limiting, right? Where it's football season, so you can't really get those guys involved. But yep. I keep thinking like, man, it would be really interesting to have like spieth and romo against and and romo caught a stray in there about slow play too uh but uh spieth and romo against like you know jt and saban or something like just you know or jt and steph curry or you know kind of split those guys up uh and and have spieth and jt playing against each other i think would be really interesting as well
0: yeah there's uh a I think they found a great spot on the calendar, like really good. And uh, Saturday night with not, no college football going on, like I don't know if they need to just pencil in like this weekend is when we're going to be doing matches into the future. I don't know. It was great. want to remind you this episode, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA tour. If you are looking for the perfect fitness gift for yourself or a loved one this holiday season, Whoop is running a 20% off sale right now through December 18th. And if you don't know by now, Whoop is a sleek, screenless fitness wearable that tracks your sleep recovery and your daily activity. We've all been wearing Whoop for years now, I guess, at this point. Uh, the data that provides you, it really is next level. It, it does all the same fitness tracking as the other fitness wearables out there, but it provides you with next level insights into your sleep and recovery, and there's a reason why all the top pros uh, on tour are wearing them. I do great with it usually around this time of year, get keeping it charged and just knowing exactly you know, how much the holiday drinking and, and eating is, is causing a stress on my body and how that feeds into the New Year's resolutions and really getting after it uh, in January like the rest of the world does. But you can go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com now through December 18th and save 20% off on their 12- and 24-month memberships. Again, whoop.com, save 20% on 12- and 24-month memberships.
1: It turns um, out having a new puppy is, is not good for your whoop scores.
0: Mm. That that is tough. I would not have predicted that. Um, Zd Dogs Golf said, "How soon until we get some LPGA studs in the match? The Corda sisters, Lexi, Lydia Co, all great options. Uh, I know we've talked about this in the past, but after watching this, what what are your thoughts on this?
1: No, I'm, yeah, I think uh, the Corda sisters would be a great option. Shit, I mean Nelly." Uh, was super impressive down at the QBE. Second QBE mention of the podcast there. Uh, she was she was super impressive down there. I mean, she was absolutely flagging it, uh, especially the first round. Yeah, I think that'd be dynamic as long as they're they're kind of you know knowing that they're on stage as well, right?
0: That's where I go down the list on like the top LPGA players, and I'm not like frothing at the mouth in terms of like, oh, that's the personality that needs to be on full display, right? I feel like it's a big burden for the the LPGA women to carry in terms of like trying to show off their skill level, which is extremely high, and also like do the things that we're asking on the entertainment front. And, and I don't know who, who like the right person is, you know? And, I feel like I, Lydia
1: I feel like Lydia would be really good at it.
0: I think she right? could. I definitely I mean again, it's just comes down to, it's not about the talent level. Like we know that is a a check mark in the in the prerequisite. It's how do you do these players actually have relationships is the question, right? You can't just throw in, you know, four random people together and fake chemistry. And uh, I, I don't, again, I don't know what the answer would be. I think JT and the quarter sisters have good a good relationship and that may be a good through line in to kind of help facilitate the conversation. But I'd be surprised if they continue to not have women involved in this because I think it is definitely, definitely time to try it uh, at minimum. And I, I just don't have the immediate answer for who the right people are.
1: What did you think about Phil's uh, tweet
0: beforehand? <laughs> Phil sent a tweet out that said, I'm proud to have been part of the creation of the match. Today will be fun, funny, and insightful version, and I'm wishing Tiger, Rory, JT, and Jordan all the best. I'll be watching on TNT, and I hope you will too. Uh, it just, I don't know. I'm super skeptical of everything Phil-related. It comes off as super disingenuous of, I am going to, look at, hey, everyone look over here. I'm going to take the high road. Are you ready? Are you looking at what I'm doing? I am taking the high road here. I'm tired of all of this hostility in golf. Why can't we all just get along here, right? That's what we all want. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to tweet this out, and that is going to level everything else I've done over the past year. Good luck, guys. I cannot wait to watch. That's what. That's how I took it.
1: Do we think it's it's because Phil still has a – Financial interest That in
0: was a my second thought was there must be some kind of <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> He almost always has to do with money with Phil and there has to be some financial interest for a hundred million percent. Laser Show O three asked, was tonight somewhat of the of the vision for the TGL under the lights with team facing each other in a semi serious setting, or is there gonna be actual prize money involved, thus making it a little more competitive. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, this was kind of how how I felt. I feel like TGL will probably be even a little bit more cohesive where I think the tough thing about this is all these guys are going off in their own carts to their own balls like all over the, you know, all over the golf course on certain holes, right? So, you know, having them all there in a confined area, especially if they like I was thinking about it last night of how does that work when all right, they hit the ball and then I guess they're going to just pipe whatever that simulator screen is straight into the broadcast so everybody's watching the ball simulated flying there instead of the, you know, and almost like a picture in picture reaction and then cut back to a full screen, you know, live shot of the guys in the studio or on the simulator. Right.
0: I would think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that it's this level of seriousness in the golf and that they don't take it too seriously. I, 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 if they try to make the golf mean a whole heck of a lot uh, I think it's kind of missing the boat. And if there's any confusion from anyone else out there of, you know, I think that the, but PGA tour players have a chance to successfully divide the gap between like, Hey, for fun, hit and giggle golf entertainment and serious competition. Right. And I feel like live is trying to really merge those two things and greatly harm the competition along the way. And maybe still not get all the way there on the entertainment front. Whereas if you kind of divide these two into, you know, one that's wholly non-serious and Mm -hmm. mic'd up and meant for the entertainment. And like, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. And one that's like, yeah, dude, like we're not going to get mic'd up for this and we're going to take it very seriously. That can work, right? I think I still yeah. have the same beefs of how golf is covered on TV on the PGA Tour, but I think that maybe hopefully they see around the corner on how to how to do this properly. I have hope at least.
1: Yeah, I think something else too is getting, you know, some of that is getting non-golfers involved in that and having conversations during it, right? Almost like have Rory interview somebody or, you know, pick somebody's brain, that sort of thing. Um Trying to think. oh the 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 JT beer uh you know I, I thought I thought we were gonna get more Florida man from the crowd out there like you know seeing seeing Randy's boy Daddy D out there at the start in the pregame I like I thought all right we're gonna get some drunk drunk Floridians out here heckling a little bit and all that JT's got the Coors Light which tough scene for. Uh, you know, uh, Mick ultra in there. I'm sure there were some, some shaking heads there at the, you know, inside the global home, but you know, it really didn't get a whole lot after that. Right. Of like,
0: and that, you know, who kind of that, that might not have even been his, it was in his cart to start. And I didn't see them, yeah. you know, actually drinking as it, as it went along, but I think that it was only members. And then I think the tickets were like 1500 bucks otherwise. So maybe you weren't <laughs> going to get the full Florida man uh, experience maybe the True. second home Florida man experience more so than the, the the native Florida experience but yeah having some people out there does add to it a little bit and it just makes it feel a lot less sleepy and uh, and then one more question Tommy Pelto serious question does the match miss Phil who can run point on the broadcast as a player what other players could do that I would say wholeheartedly the match still misses Phil he was a yeah. he he carried the thing and was wildly entertaining on these things agree. I don't know what other players they need to get in the mix. I know Harry Higgs, Joel Damon, kind of that, that vein of player can obviously be very entertaining, um, you know, but are they going for star power? Or are they going for personality? Max obviously would be really good at, the, at these things. Um, I don't know. I, match is going to be different than TGL too. I think, you know, you're going to see yeah. a, a more wide range of players on display at the TGL.
1: I'll tell you. I tell you who they need to get involved. Ahmad Rashad. Oh my god! You just this
0: just. Seems Where are you like pulling that from?
1: The guy that would be that would be all over this if it was twenty years ago, right? <laughs> like he would be the guy running point on all this
0: stuff. Bestie ever, Brad said. Delineate when exhibition golf is a derogatory term versus when it's something to be celebrated. Maybe when it threatens your sponsors' investments, it becomes derogatory term. But when it boosts your sponsors' interest, you cheer. I don't know if I fully understand the second part of the question, but I think we addressed the first part in saying like, (laughs) look, exhibition golf can be really good. Just like don't pretend that it's also competitive at the same time. And like a bunch of people leaving competitive golf to go play exhibition golf, I think is overall a bad thing. I don't know if that's the intent of the question, but that's how I read that.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I don't think like JT and and Jordan are are asking for world ranking points for (laughs) their win yesterday
0: (laughs) you know limited field event less than 72 holes I don't know why they wouldn't I think that yeah OWGR has lost its credibility flipping through the rest of my notes we had uh the shot from Speed hit from the pine straw which stuffing it in there and then Trevor Emelman followed up with a great question on how that was hit and how he you know executes that if I I can't really repeat it because I'll probably get it wrong but something about hitting ball first and you know, not catching the pine shawl, And then I think that led to him in tight is like JT is like, right, I'm going to do the hooky wedge. Like we're in there tight. I'm going to show off a little bit. And he just hits this trap draw sand wedge that lands way right of the hole and spins left and goes down in there tight. Um, and that was just like, yeah, these dudes were just vibing off each other right there. But that's pretty much it. Uh, any other Anything else you got from the match? Oh, I'm still amazed it's called Capital One's the match. I mean, come on, guys. It's got to be just the Capital One match. We'll say it. We'll actually include your name if you call it that instead of Capital One's the match, which we're never going to say.
1: It's kind of, you know, Capital One, AT&T, DraftKings. It's a very, uh, they've kept everybody in the boat, right? Very, uh, a lot of consistency there, I think. I feel like that's a great segue to uh, Project Wedge. Oh, my God. Solly. Did you see this New York Times piece?
0: There was a... I shared this on Twitter. Hopefully, people got a chance to read it. There was a piece in the New York Times basically kind of saying a lot of things that we already knew, but saying it out loud, and with the financial information that was presented by McKenzie, the Saudis' consultants. (laughs) Which, uh,
1: goddamn. I mean, McKenzie, the consultants being at the heart of this thing, just... That was like... The cherry on top for me, like that's gonna make Randy's year, and just them them consulting on Vision twenty thirty, and but then also trying to distance themselves from it too, of like yo, like we didn't say this was this was a good idea, we just assessed it for them.
0: This is like a, it's like that Chat GPT GPT thing <laughs> that that's who wrote this article pretty much of like explain how Live came to be, and like of course it's consultants making. Way too big of promises or laying out very unrealistic financial scenarios um, in which this thing would work, which I, I have a lot of questions about this after reading it, but I'm going to highlight a couple things. But basically, the reaction is that it had has no chance of ever becoming profitable and it's enormous sports watching exercise, which, like, again, we knew that, but to put some numbers behind it and explain that is, you know, we understand exactly why they're pretending that it can be profitable and that that is the goal, because if you don't, then you're basically admitting that, yes, this is just one giant sports-washing exercise. This is a quote from it. If the idea seemed unlikely, records show that the benchmarks for success bordered on the fantastical. A new Saudi league would need to sign each of the world's top 12 players, attract sponsors to an unproven product, and land television deals for a sport with declining viewership, all without significant retaliation from the PGA Tour, it would be plundering. Uh, continues, moreover, the league is nowhere near having signed all the elite players whose Saudi advisors said were required for success. In one presentation slide, as McKenzie projected one of its more optimistic financial forecasts, the participation of Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and Rory McElroy was included under the headline, What You Need to Believe. Narrator, side note here, they do not have Tiger Woods or Roy McElroy, and it certainly does not appear that they will. In the most successful scenario, McKenzie predicted revenues of at least $1.4 billion a year in 2028, with earnings before interest in taxes of $320 or more. And the footnote here is that federal records show the PGA Tour, a tax-exempt nonprofit, logged about $1.5 billion in revenue and posted net in, a net income of almost $73 million uh, for 2019. And continues by contrast, a league mired in startup status, defined as attracting less than half of the world's top 12 players, navigating a lack of excitement from fans, reeling from limited sponsorships, and confronting severe response from golf society, stood to lose $355 million before interest in taxes in 2028. So basically it's saying if this thing continues how it is with like the players they have, the most optimistic outlook in six years. Is you lose $355 million in 2028, which again, yeah, like I the think takeaway here out, isn't like laughing yeah. at the Saudis for losing a lot of money, because again, we know what it is. I think the takeaway here is like, if I'm a live player that has signed up for that, aren't you concerned with like, hey, this coming to light of the only way this was ever going to work if everyone came, like we've said all along? And that's not going to be the case. This thing is not going to work financially. What are the chances they pull the plug? Why didn't I ask these questions before I signed? Is probably what's going on right now, if I were to guess.
1: Of the players that they identified, I think four of the 12 they've gotten. And Stenson was included in that. So that's, you know, they seemingly are going off of career record plus upside, I guess. This was my favorite part. When the Crown Prince announced plans to build a futuristic city called Neom, McKinsey was among the companies that helped envision proposals for robotic dinosaurs, flying taxis, and a ski resort that officials say will host the Asian Winter Games in 2029. They're, they're going to host the Asian Winter Games in Saudi Arabia <laughs> in 2029. That's fucking outrageous. Like, just setting all this live stuff aside, that is crazy. And then the other thing where they just started laying out, like, dream people for the board of directors for Live. Where, uh, you know, Condoleezza Rice, of course, if she can find time away from her, her job as the GM or the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Big Randall Stevenson. I know you're a big, big, big Randy guy, which kind of seemed like, I think pretty early on in, in the live stuff, it seemed like there was there was some quote somewhere where it was like, yeah, like they, they thought they could call up Augusta National and like, offer them a sum of money to host one of the live events at Augusta. No, it was and,
0: rent out the clubhouse like during the masters, I think to host people in that. That's what it was. <laughs> that was from the, uh, uh, the New Yorker piece. Um, that was, uh, yeah. Zach Helfen had wrote that. God, that's it's just, that's, you know yeah. Like that's how they're like operating is all money. will solve all this stuff like money. will will get all these guys and they got a lot. I will definitely obviously say that, but yeah, it was just a jarring read to actually see the numbers laid out and see like, uh, you know, that the, the, as they're all, like already defining it, they're less successful. Like there is no path to success, financial success in this, if it, if things continue this way. And uh, I, I strongly recommend reading it because man, it's, it, if I'm a, if I'm a live player, if I'm thinking about it, that has to be kind of uh, the emperor has no clothes kind of situation here. And it makes me think, I, I, I've, I guess I've, if somebody would ask me, you know, is this league going to exist in four years? I've gotten that question, and I, I don't know what my answer is. I think I lean towards yes. But then you yeah. read something like this, and it's like, in reality, like, next year could be the last year if they decide, like, this is not working in the way. There is no viable path to success. We're not gaining momentum. Like, let's pull the plug on this. I could see that happening.
1: But, again, what's success, yeah. right? Like, success doesn't seem like it's financially motivated. It seems like it's building credibility and, and plausible – plausible deniability for, you know, corporations and, you know, a bunch of individuals to invest in Saudi Arabia and for them to be, become part of the, you know, global ecosystem. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Shout out to uh, Alan, uh, Alan Blinder, Sarah Hertz for the reporting on this one. It was good. Also, it could be some of the tours, you know, high paid consultants up in New York and DC paying some dividends as well, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, feed some stuff too. So, you know, kind of look at it from from both sides of the equation.
0: Did you, uh, I, I didn't put this in our agenda, but did you see the, uh, the article on Greg Norman uh, by the, uh, uh, let me, let me get it from oh, the Spring Morning Herald this week?
1: Believe me, I did. I, I, I actually threw it in the agenda there at the end, uh, right behind Michael Clayton's quote about Third Leg Greg, which I will read here. Uh, it's, it says, quote, Victorian golfer and commentator Mike Clayton is aware that Norman has cast himself as a victim of the so-called tall poppy syndrome, whereby Australians purportedly chop high achievers down to size. No, Greg, it's people telling you that you're a wanker, (laughs) says Clayton, who argues that success is applauded in this country. It's pretentiousness that we abhor. Australians are great at saying, come on, mate, that's bullshit.
0: Honestly, the article is just, it's one of the great It's a celebration, honestly, of one of the great egos of our time. Like, reading this about Norman, you just – bringing it all together, it is – I've totally glanced over – how normal it is now just like oh yeah greg norman posted. Uh, greg norman posted a uh, naked photo of himself like that's totally that's totally normal and then they, like, you describe it in such great detail about him like posing and looking at the camera for esp at the body issue and you go to his instagram and he literally has pictures of him showering of him just a shot of his ass while he's showering it's like this is the ceo of, of live golf this is did the you guy. see
1: the thing that he posted on instagram this week
0: uh was it the, uh, the, the most the interesting
1: man in the world
0: was it the, the no? It,
1: no, it was the most interesting man in the world. Uh, like that Dos Equis commercial, oh, it was no. a play on that for his for his cocktail company.
0: Oh, that trending was he used that trending audio with? Uh, oh God, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the, just read it. Take a, a, a piece from this article. It says, actually, you don't have to love golf or care what happens to it to take interest in Norman's psyche. Uh, Quote, I've always been a very reluctant celebrity, he once told The Guardian. Uh, This is a bloke who published his first autobiography, My Story, at the tender age of 28, who cashes in on his famous name by marketing, Greg Norman Sportswear, Greg Norman Wine, Greg Norman Prime Prime Australian Beef, Greg Norman Golf Courses, and Greg Norman Housing Estates, whose appetite for attention is such that in 2018, when he was 63, he posed for a series of nude portraits for an American sports magazine. I keep one of those photographs on my computer desktop while writing this piece. Norman is naked (laughs) except for a broad-brimmed straw hat, the sides of which are rolled up cowboy style. He leans forward, holding a golf club over his right shoulder, and fixes the camera with a level stare. The picture strikes me as completely crackers and cheers me up every time I look at it. I'm a stranger to greens and fairways. I don't know a driver from a putter, but I know a good profile subject when I see one. Uh, Just a tough weekend for for third leg Greg and, and the boys that live.
1: There were a bunch of, of juicy tidbits in there, I think from Greg's ex-wife, I think his first ex-wife, about uh, Chris Everett's like, pursuit of Greg, which I never, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but that was there was some pretty salacious shit in there, Man, too. A, so.
0: a true shark documentary when this is all said and done uh, is, is going to be, uh, that might be an eight-part series. Speaking of documentaries, a little, little nugget I picked up this week, TC, this is... This came from someone who who knows the content industry and not someone that's like a part of the hype machine. Said absolutely blown away by what they've seen of the Netflix series, the 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 Inside the Ropes Netflix series, and huh. it it within several within a few minutes, like there's a ton of stuff that people never knew and have never seen, and it's like going to be extremely captivating content. Is what I was told by someone that again, it's not like is not a netflix producer this is not someone from the tour this is someone independent that has seen it that's like holy shit man so okay all right i can get down with that that gets me excited when's it supposed to come out february i believe after football season's over um is when it comes out on netflix i think okay so all right um well i think we're gonna do a i'm I'm assuming we will not be the only podcast to do this i'm assuming i'm i'm guessing a lot of the golf podcasts will but i would imagine we'll do at least one part if not multiple part full episode breakdowns of uh, of it just to maybe a separate kind of podcast series of some kind but I think we're going to want to we're going to want to break it down in great detail.
1: Agree. I mean they certainly have the material to work
0: with. All right, where do you want to go next?
1: I want to go to the dudes that shot 46 in that scramble. God. Have you been following this at all?
0: A little bit. Um I I I I saw the follow-up video that somebody posted but the guy the names he listed off of, like yeah, well, try us, we'll do it again. Not our first time we've shot forty six. The names didn't match up with the guys that did it. I, I've kind of lost track of it a little bit. Explain, explain to me what happened and what's going on here.
1: I have too, I, and it's a pretty ragtag group of guys that came in and shot forty six. Gross. And I don't, I don't even, yeah, and I don't know where, like, I don't know where it was. I, I, I think it was on in Alabama, at the Robert Trent Jones Trail. Um, but man, it was it was pretty like unbelievable. If you no offense to the guys involved here, but like everybody seemingly was calling bullshit.
0: What was it. what was the best you ever shot in Tiger Woods? Like the original PlayStation games, where you could spin it in the air and you could like hole out from the fairway like the majority of the time. Like I think I got sub fifty once on it. Uh, just yeah. to speak to like how unrealistic a gross forty six is. They they aced a, a three hundred fifty seven yard par four. And had an albatross and had several other eagles and all the rest birdies, I believe, allegedly. Which, which if
1: that's the case, like, I feel like the Saudi investment fund should should, should give him $46 million.
0: I would have to think so. I think that's a great idea.
1: Yeah, no, it's just one of those things. It's like, I, you know, it's a perfect thing for this time of year, right now, social media, Reddit, all sorts of message boards. You know, everybody's opining on this, yeah, right? It was and- perfect clip. And the guy was like, it was kind of like, well, like uh, God, I'm trying to think what the clip was that it reminded me of, but it was like, like yeah, like you know what, like everybody's calling bullshit on our 46. Well, you know what, like we had this guy who's had hole in one on a par four before. We've had this other guy, you know, we've done this before. It ain't the first time,
0: like. <laughs> That's the clip I was referring to that, you yeah. know, he's like, yeah, it was me. And and the names didn't match up with the guys that did it, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't, I don't know what's real and what's not on Instagram these days. People are faking course records at Chambers Bay and, and all kinds allegedly, of stuff. So allegedly. So keep your radars up, people. Always check your sources.
1: Well, and there's just, there's cheating happening everywhere, everywhere. right? We got the, we got the. The chess stuff, we got the Irish dancing stuff, we've got the the weights and the fish. We got all sorts of shit going on. The, the in, world's
0: going to hell in a handbasket. Tune into the trap draw, which unbelievable trap draw this past week with you, Big <laughs> Randy, Poosh, and uh and kvV just the right amount of balance of like fans watching NFL versus like a guy that's covered the NFL for a long time versus Poosh who really knows the X's and O's. I greatly, greatly enjoy listening to that. I would encourage it. It's, it's to so go funny.
1: Back. Like whenever we talk to kvV like I on this thread with him and he was like i said something about the navy coach stepping down today and he's like oh yeah like i was i was on the navy beat for a year in like 2003 and you know he was the offensive coordinator or something for paul johnson and it was it was like god kbv like you've lived like 90 lives when it comes to you know sports and everything like that but uh don't tell randy we'll see if he's listening to the podcast here a lot, of, a lot of chatter going around on Twitter from uh, some NFL insider sources that Zach Taylor basically gave up uh, control of the offense after week five, and that's that's a big reason for the Bengals looking how they do right now. Mm. So we'll see. We'll test Randy out, and I'll violate my gag order, and we'll see if he, he's listening to the podcast.
0: This is on me for turning this into a trap draw. I brought it up. That's 100% <laughs> on me. Where are we going to go next?
1: Hank Haney was airing Billy Horschel out a little bit this week uh said that billy billy kind of you know pitched a number to live uh 55 million dollars you know and then gets up on his soapbox you know before during and after what do you think of that you think that was a low blow from hank you think it was Um, called for
0: i think it is believable i want to not uh dismiss this i think it uh, Billy probably deserved to be asked about this uh, before, you know, breaking this news. I think Hank has turned into a bit of a clown on a lot of this live stuff. And uh,
1: totally.
0: he's, he's rivaling uh, for LV for who could be the biggest shark sucker. <laughs> um, yet it sounds extremely believable. Like I know there has to be stories out there of the guys that are currently playing DP world tour, PGA tour that have asked for money from live, didn't get their number and and have stayed and have acted like they are the good guy. I, I, just want to hear it from somebody that's a a very legitimate source before jumping all over. Now it's out there, and Billy hasn't said anything about it. Phil's liking tweets that were intimating that it was Billy that did this. Uh, I if, I don't know if I, did he play a QBE shootout this past week? I don't know if he was asked about it, but Billy normally does. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I would be. I'm surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he issues a statement of some kind to at least address it, or if is asked about it. Um, I don't know. It's Which, it's a, it's an awkward one. I think it. If that is the truth, he definitely deserves to be critiqued and criticized for that. but uh, I feel liking tweets does not mean it was true that's that's my disclaimer on that totally
1: I, and and to be fair, from everything that I've heard from pretty credible sources it's it's it is
0: factual. Um, no tracker know, I, do not re- tracker accounts not reporting this. This is not <laughs> clippable. You cannot use this information. this is just yeah always have to say that these days.
1: Billy also uh, parted ways with his his longtime agent uh, here recently as well, which I thought was interesting mm. too. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think Billy deserves a you know a chance to you know clear the air, which you know probably the first time that Billy hasn't opined on something <laughs> ever.
0: Um, which maybe that's the story. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, I saw Faldo starting a podcast. He had Jack on mm. for his, his first. Like, I'm not sure if it's released or not, but per his Instagram. Mm. And in in Jack News, there was a spectacular, you know, affidavit that came out. Alex Maselli broke it down for us. It was a 31-page affidavit between, you know, basically Milstein is suing Nicholas for, I don't know if it's breach of contract or, you know, breach of fiduciary responsibility or breaking his non-compete or whatever. But basically Jack sold 49% of his company back in the day. Uh, You know, so his name, image, likeness, all his endorsements – uh, his design business, et cetera, for uh, 145 million dollars and owned 51% of the new company that they kind of set up. and, and then uh, Millstein owned the other 49%. And from there, uh, it seems to have just gone to shit right away. They saddled the new company with debt, um, things truck out. It seemed like Millstein absolutely owned him as far as, you know uh maneuvering him and took control of the board. Uh, you know, Jack started taking a salary because they weren't generating any sort of profit, that, that sort of thing. This is a quote from Jack. Once Howard had permanent control of the, of the company, he acted as if he owned me. Barbara! He tried to control every aspect of my life, from what I did, to whom I spoke with, to where I went, as if I was his property. I always tried to be respectful, but there was no respect in return. I also tried very hard to make the relationship work, but it became increasingly obvious that I had, that I had aligned myself with a person who didn't respect me as a human being, I mean that's that's some pretty serious words right there.
0: It's a very serious quote uh, from. We know it's from Jack because I think I counted eight eyes in there uh, <laughs> in, in just that first that couple of sentences. But
1: so, so I guess Jack, like in 2017, he basically said, "Hey, I'm done with this shit. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to work for you anymore, or or I will, you know, I'll finish out. I'll do this five year non compete. I'll continue to consult." As long as you're not charging clients more for me to consult uh, on these projects that you've signed up for, and so he did that for five years, and then it seems like Howard still had him by the balls. Uh, like like a couple months ago, uh, a federal judge ruled that Jack can't sign any new endorsements, and it just seems like it's it's mired and like he he was, uh, and I guess all this happened because of the whole uh, you know Saudi. Um, like all that stuff came out about Saudi wanted to talk to Live and all those guys. Or that so.
0: Saudi wanted to talk to Jack. You're saying for yeah. for uh, for. Liv. Or yeah, yeah, or
1: Jack wanted to talk to Live. Yeah, and, and yeah.
0: yeah. So it's like not his decision to make. Like he has to consult with Howard as to whether or not he. Uh,
1: I mean, I want somebody to like write a book I about was gonna say, Jack. That's just it's like only Jack as a businessman. I think because he he sounds like the world like the worst businessman in the history of the world.
0: I think there's an entire documentary you could do in just his business interests and uh like how he was he like went broke in the 80s despite being golf all-time champion and all these things and having to sell his own business did he sell when did he sell the business to to millstein like is that when it was back in the 80s I, no i think this was
1: like i think this was like back early 2000s i believe mm. um let me look here uh, 2007 okay or hold on, original employment contract in 2007. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like it went to shit pretty quickly. Like, I mean, shit, 07 was right at the, right at oh, the start gosh. of the recession, right? So. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, maybe more to come on this. Maybe we, maybe we do a deep dive in, in some point in the future, because that is a- This would be a great deep dive. Yeah, a yeah. story that not a lot of people know, so.
1: Uh, Solly, there was a big, big news out of the Japan tour this week. Uh, the Japan Tour and the DP World Tour announced that there's a pathway for the top three from the Japan Tour Order of Merit to get DP World Tour membership. I just wanted to Huge. say congratulations.
0: Thank you. I uh, appreciate that.
1: You know, so they've, they've stopped the manipulators, but they're giving some of the manipulators a way forward. I love think that's that. a good middle ground, right?
0: I love that. Excellent job.
1: We got the QBE shootout on here. Like you said, Hoagie and Sahith. One, I don't really think anything else, all that notable happened.
0: I did, I did appreciate the tour, you know, kind of starting to steer into and lean and emphasize the LPGA players that played in this a little bit more. Jessica Korda, I'm sorry, Nelly Corda and uh, Lexi Thompson played in this and uh, felt like they made a point. Whoever was there from the media perspective made a point to ask the PGA tour players about what impressed them. And uh, Max and kids had a great exchange talking about what it was like to watch Nelly Corda play golf and, um, it is mired season, you know, silly season event, but at least like inching towards a little bit more crossover. And um, again, we just go back to like what Pranella Lindbergh said on this podcast of like, you don't even know, you guys don't even understand how much it means like for JT to tweet about our events. Like, and so yeah. in that vein, uh, there's some very small things that PJ tour can do to kind of just help with recognizability of a lot of these players. And they seem to be like tagging the LPGA and tweets more and sharing more of their content and kind of, Really leaning into this alleged strategic alliance that they have, that I don't think has been that beneficial to the LPGA tour. But um, that that's the that's a highlight from from the event for me. Um, not appointment viewing. I, I did not watch it, it a single shot, if, if I'm being candid. And uh, yet it's it's silly season time.
1: Adam Shupak had a good Golf Week piece about uh, the NBC Golf Channel, kind of where they're at. Catherine Tappen leaving the broadcast, and then there was a, a particular quote in there that stuck out. A source told Golf Week that it is not good times at NBC. What? And termed the move, part of significant cuts to the entire team for budgetary reasons given the sharp increase in its PGA Tour rights fees.
0: I look forward to that. That should really benefit the fans a lot because, I mean, they were – really the issue we had was that they were spending too much money on the telecast and, uh, you know, it was too heavily produced and just – too, you know, too many cameras. So many hard cameras out there. So really dialing a lot of that back should be uh, has me super optimistic about you know NBC basically owning all of uh, professional golf. That's 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 good stuff. It makes me excited. who could have yeah. seen this coming.
1: And then uh, you know you sent this over earlier in the week. Um, Scott Vincent captured the elusive golden ticket. Can you just walk me through that?
0: Uh, no, I cannot uh, <laughs> live golf tweeted that uh, he won the golden ticket with like a video like a minute and a half video talking about him winning the golden ticket they never explained what that was and I don't know if it was like something Asian tour related or like if they decided to invent another award or something to give to pay someone something I truly don't know but uh the fact that they just acted like that was I th- maybe it's a play on like that's our qualification like Scott Vincent qualified for next year that's it now we have qualification system I truly don't know but uh, all right, did.
1: here, here we go. Uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. The Asian tour season came to a thrilling conclusion at the $1.5 million BNI Indonesian masters presented by TNE. Scott Scott Vincent crowned the international series order of merit winner, a result that gives the Zimbabwean a golden ticket to next season's live golf league, uh, including all four, a spot in all 14 events. Uh, and he was basically beat out: Jazz Geninwa Nititorn Thipong, Siwon Kim, Andy Ogletree, and Korean Ok Taehoon. Okay. So he, so he's he's in.
0: All right. Now no, no there, there we have that. That's I am thing.
1: curious to see how much churn we we see out of live right? Like how many guys that they're going to drop by the wayside?
0: I am. They had another tweet this week of uh, a silhouette of cam Smith. It's entitled it the, the, uh, the most recognizable silhouette in golf, um, which they got properly ratioed. Not enough. As, we've made fun of a lot of things that live, not enough being made fun of them rolling out. Like the 2016 PGA tour playbook of social, of just being completely clueless, making the same horrible jokes, being extremely out of touch with everything. They got to own that one. They got they got to own that L because PGA Tour, we roasted them for many many years for how bad their social was. And Lyft is just running out the same exact playbook, the same like tag a mate that would do this, blah 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 stuff. That's horrible. Is that the dirty Mike playbook? I don't. I doubt he's run social. I'm sure they have 78 people running social. I'm sure Mackenzie's advising on it, and uh, this is how you get engagement.
1: That was the other thing. I think in that uh, in one of the pieces it was like a hundred people I think working for live and they're, they're going to try to get up to 200 by next year. So I would imagine their burn rates higher than a billion next year. So yeah. And then some sad news, I think just to acknowledge and I was a huge, huge grant wall reader uh, of sports illustrated back in the day. And uh, yeah, just kind of what a bummer, uh, you know sudden death there at the World Cup, uh, there in the press box. and just to see the the outpouring of of tributes and personal anecdotes from you know his peers and and uh, you know mentors and admirers and all sorts of people that I think the biggest thing was just the 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 number of people that that posted something that said, "Hey, he helped me out when I was a nobody and you know provided a hand up and just set a great example was really, really cool to see. So,
0: yeah, that was, I wanted to yeah know exactly what you said in terms of, we don't know, I don't know him personally. And it's always, it always feels weird to, you know, uh, you know, memorialize someone that you don't know personally, but it's it always also stands out when that many people are reaching out to acknowledge what just happened and a helpful, helpful person that impacts a lot of lives. And it had just had us had me thinking about people that have helped us along the way and things like that. And, uh, it seems like the sports world lost someone that, uh, it's just a, a major, major bummer on yeah, on a lighter note. Uh, episode seven of eight of Torah sauce, our travel series is coming back this Wednesday on our YouTube channel. Plenty of time to get caught up on this season. If you, uh, if you don't like waiting week to week, we're not going to spoil any, any results in case you haven't watched any of them, please go check out all of season eight of Torah sauce, but we are heading towards a finale, um, which will be not this coming Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, um, at Lufthansa links, this next episode is feel Baca. Um, and yeah, I, a lot of drama to come, and there's been a lot of drama to this point. So get over to our YouTube channel, subscribe, and uh, and check us out there.
1: I can I can firmly say that the the finale is is an absolute. I mean, really, the like the penultimate episode and the finale are both absolute bangers. But got a chance to watch the finale, the the kind of V one of that, and it was like, whoa,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, the game does so, changed a little bit. Yeah, um, any shop and updates the, for us?
1: Yeah. Just, you know, still stocked. We got some cool, uh, we got some hats dropping here soon. Some of those camper hats and corduroy hats that promise are are coming. Um, they've been sitting on the slow boat for a while and then still have, we've got some black ward sweaters that we did kind of as a custom piece with H and B. Those are, those are out there. A lot of stuff. Got a good, good sale going on right now on some stuff as well. So, uh, hop on in there. Uh, Um, got some Sunday red, uh, sweaters in there or sweatshirts in there as well that we did customs. they're they're super cool too
0: store.nolangup.com also if you want to join the nest which is our uh kind of online community not really patreon but kind of our patreon our elevated experience if you will uh you have a lot of excellent benefits to that you get access to our message board early access to our events that we host around the country a 15 percent discount on nest merchandise a monthly podcast a member directory the reason I'm bringing this up now, if you are a member before the end of this year, you will be eligible for our annual gift. It costs $90 a year to join. You can join that at nolangup.com forward slash join, nolangup.com forward slash join. If you want to become a Nest member, get great discounts on our merchandise as well as uh, be a part of a, a great community that is thriving and growing. So,
1: And, and Solly, uh on the content front, we got, I think, Randy had Stephen Proctor. On for a book report this week on the trap jaw, and then we're going to do like a mega chop sesh uh, the following week to kind of round out the year. Planning an airports episode, kind of our airports 3.0 episode, the year in NLU flying. We'll do our goals episode at the beginning of the year. We've got a landman film room. Coming out. Can I be a rep- got- at least a
0: representative on the airports three I, I feel like Americans.
1: I, you were on last time. I, like I, I go around and talk to everybody about it. I don't
0: think I was on last time, but I feel like I need. We need to have an honest conversation about American Airlines on, on the on the pod this year, and I'm happy to have that conversation. Oh. I uh, yeah, I feel, I'm, I'm
1: happy to have an honest conversation. I feel like
0: my travel record this year on them needs to be documented into into the books. I, I feel like I'll have full stats prepared for you if you'd like.
1: You want to comment on their on their new. We could, we'll, do it and it as well. we'll do that there.
0: We'll do that there. We'll do that there.
1: Okay. <laughs> I did. We did have you on this past year. I had an individual segment with every single person, including Ben and Cody. This year, okay. Uh, and we'll do the same thing okay. this coming year. All right. Again, sounds All good. Right? I look forward to it.
0: Uh, we right. will have a recap next week uh, after the PNC Championship. We did not do one last year, and we regretted it gratefully. And uh, we're gonna have. We're gonna do the Tiger and Charlie thing. I. Still don't really know how to handle this with, you know, so much of what I read seems weird and creepy, yet, gosh, that Charlie Woods has an incredible golf swing, and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch, and uh, Tiger had some comments this week of like, you know, letting Charlie be a kid, and I'm also like, yeah, well, he's also Tiger Woods' son, and you keep trotting him out on national TV to play tournaments with you, like, you're kind of bypassing some of that stuff, so it's a really weird conundrum, and I don't really know how to handle it, but uh i am excited to watch them play golf this week that's what i do now
1: shit maybe we should have ryan burr on as a special correspondent he's taking a particular interest in charlie Woods' <laughs> career uh you know almost to the maybe to the extreme um but yeah actually i was down in palm beach a, you know, a few weeks back and people were saying yeah like you know my kids go to the same school or whatever and like there's some other kids on that team that are like far better than charlie yeah which is crazy, considering how good his swing is. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I, I like, I would imagine his ceiling is probably, probably pretty crazy. So,
0: it will be interesting to follow. It really will. It's going to be weird to have like you know, like LeBron's son entering professional basketball and uh, Tiger's yeah. son like entering competitive golf. It's like starting to, start to feel our age a little bit. But it's going to be a oh, very weird dude. Thing. Like,
1: like MLB, like seeing like Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Andrew Jones' son was just drafted. Like, Andrew Jones was, like, 21 when I was, you know, like, in, like, 95 or 96, I, you know? I mean, it's just, it's crazy. NFL
0: DBs are what gets me. What, there's Patrick uh, uh Patrick oh, Sertain. Sertain. Uh, Santé Samuel. Samuel. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Antoine Winfield, too. Is it there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. gosh, it's outrageous. So, yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it TC. I'm going to eat some Italian tonight. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh, we got a little bit of travel coming up here shortly, and then we'll be back regular scheduled programming uh, this coming weekend. Thank you so much for coming on. So- thank you for listening. Solly,
1: Alfred Dunhill championship props to uh, Aki Stridham prevailed by two over Adrian Otagwe by three over Lori Cantor. I just know that was, that was, you know, I just want to make sure that you're shielded from skipping over who, who won an official DP World Tour event this week. Thank you.
0: And I do uh, – I'm, I'm not upset we went a little bit past our one hour because if you'd have been watching, you'd have just seen uh, Debo Samuel getting carted off uh, from the 49ers no. game. Yeah, I just saw that up on Red zone on my screen, um, which that's 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 tough for us fantasy owners. So, not good. All right. Thank you, TC. Good night. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next week.